Guys, boobs. We're talking boobs. Boobs. Lots of boobs. <laughs> boobs. <laughs> we have an amazing guest. Wendy Haldeman, a lactation consultant, is here to answer all of our questions. Weaning? Uh, just nursing in general. Can they sleep through the night? Do you Oversupply. Have, do you Oversupply. have sore, sore nipples? Uh, can I drink coffee? Can I have chocolate? Can I drink 12 margaritas and just pump and dump? These are – we're going to get down to the bottom of all of this. And also, guys – Please leave reviews on iTunes and comments, and also you know you know Facebook. And now, boobs, boobs. Ah! Woo! Hi, Miss Bianca. I feel like doing that again. <laughs> Woo! Hi, Miss Bianca. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Uh, we're excited to be here today, as always. Okay, I have a million stories. I have, and we have so too. much to talk about. Yeah. And then we have an incredible guest coming on. So uh, we got to get to it. Okay. First things first. I went to the cancer center this morning. Oh, I forgot to ask you. So I had my uh, checkup. So every six months, I get checked up and they make sure that the tumor hasn't recurred and it like didn't metastasize to my lungs, right? Because the first five years after my tumor, they have to – that's like when there's the highest likelihood of recurrence. So that's why you have to do it every six months, right? Right. Well, it looks so good and so awesome that he's saying now I just have to come every year instead of every six months. So that's great because getting an MRI and then chest X-ray and then EX – it's just a pain in the ass. Of course. And it's nerve-wracking. And it's nerve-wracking. Here's the crazy thing. When I pull up to the cancer center at Cedars um, where the valet is for it, I look up. And it's the window of the delivery room where I gave birth to Sabrina. Oh, that's really – Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, and this might sound like – oh, you're like, oh, well, it's a hospital. Of course you'll see the window. But no, Cedars is like – enormous. It's its own planet. Yeah. So it's so oh, crazy. It's really sweet. And I'm just like, sweet. oh, that's where I had my baby. And now Aww. I'm going to go do this. And things are healthy and good. Um, and it's this weird labyrinth where I have to get – Somebody has to escort me to the office. I don't know if they think that you'll like wander around or because it's like, you know, it's sort of <laughs> like an co- intense place to be. The cancer. You'll center. be a looky loo so, and go look. Yeah, I don't people. know why they have to escort me. They know I'm. They don't want me on the loose. The guy there was so nice, and Jerry, and I told him he had to watch Undateable. And he said that he would get everyone in the hospital to watch Undateable. Awesome. So Tuesday nights, everyone. Hopefully someone has a Nielsen box. <laughs> um, okay. What's your story? Okay. My story is that, well, uh, you know, I'm doing this documentary about my brother. I don't know if I've talked about it yet on the podcast, but I'm filming, I'm directing a documentary about my brother and uh, he's doing this RAM. It's Race Across America. It's 3,000 plus miles in 12 days. He's trying to be the first solo hand cyclist to finish it and um and he's an amputee so he does everything with his arms and it's crazy and we're going to be in RVs going along and I have been working now a little bit with Jen Wahlberger so everyone listening we did a podcast with Jennifer Waldberger, The Sleep Easy Solution, and also Calm Mama Happy Baby. So listen to those two. Right. Continue your story. Yeah. So we, she and I have so far just been trading emails because I'm, I have to make the toughest decision. And it's 12 days in an RV, and I don't think I can take Magnolia with me. I would love to take her with me, and it would be such an amazing experience. I just don't know that it's fair to her to be strapped in. Because look, 
like our free-range parenting podcast last week, things have changed and you can't just throw the kids in the back of the RV and and fly down the highway anymore. I don't want you to do this to everyone else on the film crew. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, it's great because our cinematographer, Pablo, was like, no, it'll be really cool because it'll be like a whole family experience because you're making the picture about your brother and his sister is actually coming on as the set photographer and she'll be, you know, uh, photographing the whole journey. So he was saying like – But oh, you're not babies. But No, we're not babies. And <laughs> – but you right, know, no. I mean, come on. Can you imagine leaving Sabrina for 12 days? No, I hadn't thought about that part of it. I, I was mean, just thinking about the van. I think you just focus on the negative. You focus on the van <laughs> and then you won't even think about the 12 days. Um, and so it's it's crazy because I – like How I, about pit stops? She could meet you in certain cities. Well, that – we could on, do you're that. You're a huge the, TV star. The, you can make that happen. <laughs> the hard part about that is I don't know how my brother's going to – I don't know how he's – how fast he's going to go, how slow he's going to do, go, where we'll be in certain we'll, – we'll be in cities when we're in them, you know? I'm going to do a documentary of you making the documentary <laughs> with the baby. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm working with Jen. What does she say? She says that right now we're just working with uh, paying attention to how I feel, where there's more tension, in which oh, decision so would there be more tension. I'm like, there's tension in both because yeah. there's tension in thinking What's of her. the least worst? Is that what she's saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's here's what I've kind of been – I think about like when I think about her being home and me being on the road, that would be really hard for me, a lot easier for her. Her being on the road would be a lot harder for her and easier for me. So yeah. I think that's kind of my – deciding factor right there. And, and you know what? It'll be over. Would it really be easier for you? For her for to be on the road? Yeah. Um, no. Because you'd be exhausted and, and I'd be, able be to focus worried on about movie. her. And at least at home, like my mom would be there and Mike yeah. would be there and we'd have our nanny also helping them out. So no, I mean I think I know the answer. It's just oh, oh God, what am I gonna do? It'll be it'll make for You're great gonna make an amazing documentary. It'll make for great movie moments because I'll be crying in the background. Yeah. My brother will be like doing this in this entire Are you gonna race. be in front of the camera? We're gonna probably have the whole crew because it's a whole group effort. Oh, it's um, such a meta documentary. It already is a documentary <laughs> yes. about a documentary. But Got the, it. But the funny thing is like my brother will be like dying, like barely making yeah. it and I'll, I'll make it all about me because I'll be missing my baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got sweat and tears. It's it'll be like, perfect. It'll be like the Blair Witch Project moments with my like <laughs> snotty nose crying yes, in the camera. Good. We're going to have to figure out how to do the podcast on the road with phones do you wanna so we can – Do you want to fly No, I just want to do a phone call with okay. you. <laughs> I mean I want to – I mean um, if I can star in this documentary, then yeah, I'll show up. All right. Ellie, okay. next story. Next, next story. story. Next story would be Target. I go to Target with Sabrina, okay? Mm -hmm. This is a Target that has – three stories, maybe four. It's enormous. I pick out all this stuff for her. She gets a little antsy. She starts crying. She wants me to pick her up. So I just keep throwing toys at her. So by the time I get back down to the first floor and go through the line and start checking out everything, I have an insane amount of stuff that I've like already thrown at her. So it's like stickers and toys and everything that says Elsa. I mean <laughs> – but I was like, I'm never going to Target again because this has been such a bad experience. Right. So I've, I've cleaned out the store. I'm like, I'm never going to have to get paper towels or toilet paper again. Might as well be like earthquake preparedness right. amount of crap. I touch a little bit of liquid in the cart and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I smell it and it's bleach. What? And I go, oh, is this bleach? And the woman who's been checking me out, she looks down at her shirt and it's tie-dyed. 
because there's bleach all over her shirt. And Sabrina's sitting in the cart. Oh, my God. And it's all over all the food that I bought and everything because I had bought a little – I had gotten a little thing of bleach. I hadn't opened it or even – I hadn't – I was not – I did not tamper with the product. Right. Okay. Uh, they had to return everything. They had to put everything back. They got me all new stuff. They were so nice at this Target. Really? I am in love with Target now. <laughs> Target, please be a sponsor. I'm in love with you. They they brought everything, all new stuff to me. They were so nice. And then here's the kicker. They gave me everything in the cart for free. What? New The new stuff. The, yeah, all the new stuff that – yeah. They gave me everything for free because I had also – it had bleached this really nice bag I had. Oh. You know those Dash and Albert like rug bags? They're pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, it destroyed that. But the bag was like five years old. So like I came out a winner. I mean I definitely – like my hand was um, burning, but I came out a winner. What are you, what are you buying bleach for? Um, and I had, this is a stupid thing. I hadn't bought bleach in years, but I'd been really lazy lately with washing my colored towels with my white towels. And I thought oh. maybe you could get a little, yeah. a little bump, yeah, a, you know, a white bump. So Saturday night, I go to this really cool house party. It's a writer of a sitcom and so this writer and his wife and they've got four kids and it's all of these like older writers and they all are musicians too. And so it's just sort of like this jam party where they were all kind of singing and performing for each other. And so it was so fun and cool and felt really like bohemian, but it felt sort of suburban too. And I was like, this is this will be LA for us. Like in 10, 15 years, like I could see us doing this. Like Sabrina will be in middle school and she'll be looking at me like I'm an asshole, like embarrassing her. And this like I this is what I want in my life. Right. I look over and on the couch there's an elderly gentleman grinning and watching one of the performers and it's dick van dyke what <laughs> and i'm so s- starstruck <laughs> i would be starstruck that's isn't that funny that's like <gasps> i was stupid starstruck and all i wanted to do was go oh rob <laughs> <laughs> so Ad- I was like, Adam, I really need to go over and talk to him. I have to say something. And Adam's like, do not say something. Ellie. Were you tipsy? No. Oh, good. But I just knew I had to do it. I always get this impulse. And if I don't follow the Im- – it's sort of like you with Jen. Like what's what feels least yeah. worse? Yeah. Because like if I don't do it, then I kick myself for not doing it. But whenever I do something like this, I kick myself because I've made a fool out of myself. Right. Like one time – uh, the, on the show Weeds, Elizabeth Perkins, who is yeah. also on Big, she's amazing. I ran into her at a hair salon, and my hair was covered in foils. And I was like, "I just have to tell you, I love your work so much." And she looked at me like I was an alien, <laughs> but I still love her. Uh, okay, so back to Dick Van Dyke. I sneak over. Adam doesn't know. He like looks over, and I'm with Dick Van Dyke. He's like, "Shit!" And I said to him. When I was in elementary school, I would watch the Dick Van Dyke show every night on Nick at Night. And he goes, oh, you sit – and I couldn't hear him. I was like, what? What? Like he's elderly one and I'm the one who can't hear. But he – he was like, you, you watch, you're one of the few that will watch back black and white. And I was like, yeah, you know, thank you so much for all the work you've done. Just thank you so much for all the work. And he goes, it's not work. It's play. (sighs) Oh, it's so good. Is well, so I mean, good? look, that's it's the it's the truth when you get to do what you love. Um, I mean, I feel the same way. It's there are there are moments where you start to make it 
about work for yourself, you know, because I feel like we always think like, oh, you have to find something to complain about. But I always tell people that's why I think Magnolia is such a happy baby because for the first six months in my belly, she just was around laughter all the time. I mean, we went to set every day and laughed. And, um, you know, well, that's so he was cool. It's amazing. He was a he nice was guy. He was so cool. Oh, that's good. And then another friend sort of like ran up and was like, Can I take a picture of you too? And he was very nice about taking the picture. I was embarrassed so about it. So you have it. a picture? I have a picture. I mean, I was just like, and then I got embarrassed about that afterwards. That's what I kicked myself about because I was like, oh, I don't want him to think that I said those things just to get a picture with him. But – Oh, wait. Really quick. Yeah. I have to tell you in that same vein. Yes. Uh, we went to the Emmys two years ago for um, Rules of Engagement. Not We weren't nominated or anything. We just got <laughs> invited to go. <laughs> and no, uh, I did the red carpet. And I start – you know, you do the red – and it's crazy at the Emmys because it's this huge red carpet and there's like every four or five feet there's, a, there's another celebrity. So you're just stacked like down this red carpet and then everyone moves down to the left. And down to the left, and so then I heard this big commotion, big commotion, big commotion, and I look, and they're they're pulling someone off the red carpet and put, pushing someone in, and it's Betty White. <gasps> and I had this out of body experience where I was like, I'm standing next to Betty White on That's the red carpet, and also she cut she cut in line. She did cut in line, <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> um, and I was like, I I'm getting yeah. my goddamn picture taken with Betty yeah. White and I scooched over the really quick carpet. and I said do you mind if I get in a picture and she's probably like who is this hoe bag <laughs> like, my picture and I put my arm around her and I smile and I got all these flashes and I stop have, it uh, yeah can I, you put it on the Facebook page yeah I'll find it I'll find it and put it on will there. you do It'd it awesome for sure since you're so good about her doing her social media yeah <laughs> I'm the worst that, that was a dig um, uh, <laughs> let's talk about our guests because we, yes. we, we gotta get moving yes 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 we both nursed or you're still nursing. I'm still nursing. Okay, but if you didn't nurse, it's not a big deal. Don't people don't think that this is like some sort of we don't have a weird agenda. We just like having experts on that have all different specialties, okay? Yeah, with the, the whole spectrum. Yeah. Like to- uh so we have Wendy Haldeman here and I'm really excited to have Wendy on because when Sabrina was born, there's a place called the Pump Station and there are three of them in the Los Angeles area. This is a real thing, people. It's a real thing. It's called the Pump Station. They have a little cute retail area out front. And then they have these rooms where you can do mommy and me groups. They also have lactation consultants. It's sort of like a one-stop shop for mom's sanity is what I'll say. And I went – when Sabrina was just a few weeks old – to this lactation group that would meet and you would just nurse for like an hour and a half while the lactation consultant would talk to you and answer all your questions as a big group. And you'd see all these other mothers that were exhausted. Yeah. And it was great. And then later I did a mommy and me group through there. It's, a, so, it's just a great uh, resource, a, a great place to go. If, even if you don't live in Los Angeles, you can go on their website. Yes. Um, because there's lots of good links and and little um, juicy tidbits for, for just mamas. It's and, a any... crazy awesome resource yeah. online too. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's bring her on. So we're going to have Wendy on. She's a co-founder of the Pump Station and she's also a lactation consultant. Okay, everybody, we're back. We have Wendy Haldeman here, and I'm going to read a little bit of her bio. She's the co-founder of the Pump Station and Nurtury. She received both her nursing and lactation education at UCLA. She's an international board-certified lactation consultant and a certified happiest baby on the block instructor. 
Woo-hoo. Wendy, thank you for fitting us in. You're a busy woman. Well, you're so welcome. My pleasure. So can you please explain to us what a lactation consultant is? Because I never heard of this before I got pregnant. I didn't either. I was very happy when I did find out what it was, though. Well, you're not alone. Most people, when I tell them I'm a lactation consultant, they think I'm a wet nurse. No way. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, there's a huge distinction. Um, yeah. <laughs> a wet nurse is somebody who breastfeeds somebody else's children, and I'm way past that. Um, <laughs> so a lactation consultant is basically a professional who has had um, X amount of training in helping women and babies to achieve healthy breastfeeding. Probably what your listeners should know, though, is that anyone legally can call themselves a lactation consultant. You don't need any license, accreditation. Really? Mm -hmm. You don't need anything. So if someone's looking for such a person, um, one of the ways to sort of start is the initials after their name, the IBCLC is helpful. That's one way of knowing that that person did pass an exam and had X number of hours and experience and has a certain level of education. But it goes greatly off from there. You can have everything from a pediatrician to um, a housewife with good intentions who breastfed her baby and decides that she's an expert. So I think when you, uh, listeners are looking for a lactation consultant, it's really important to check out what kind of experience they have, what kind of background they have. Because from where I sit, the more babies you've had your hands on, the more experience you're going to bring to this new mom. Yeah, and I don't know if this is common practice, but I like with my doctor's mm-hmm. office, they did have a lactation consultant mm-hmm. who worked with my doctor. So you mm-hmm. might want to ask your doctor and even see if that's mm-hmm. something that they that they offer in-house. Right. Again, I've seen them vary tremendously in what kind of – Really? Yeah. It, often it's just an office nurse. They went, you're it. Yeah. And she hopefully had some experience, but she may not. Right. Who knows? So it varies tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. Who's out there calling themselves a lactation consultant. Well, and it's and it's really Mm -hmm. important because I think, first of all, Mm -hmm. I'd just like to start off by saying that Mm -hmm. I did not know how difficult breastfeeding Mm -hmm. was going to be. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was the most fascinating aspect of it is Mm -hmm. that once I had my daughter, I was like, I thought this was something that would just come naturally. Mm -hmm. Like, they they make it sound like the baby comes out and she army crawls up your belly and then she's on your boob and it's exactly you know birds singing and bees humming and the rest <laughs> is, is a beautiful story and and then uh, coming to Pixar next year <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I now know so differently. I mean, luckily, I still had a pretty mild experience and journey with breastfeeding. And I now, I mean, just adore it and love it. And I'm having trouble saying goodbye. But I have now heard so many horror stories from so many women who have struggled, I mean, and had awful time with yeah. breastfeeding some who just didn't like it mm-hmm. it wasn't they didn't enjoy the experience mm-hmm. and it was one of i think my either my doula or my midwife said you know the problem is is that it's not like it was in the past where you had your tribe or your community around you and you were growing up watching women breastfeed these days we just don't see it mm-hmm. um i feel like now there's a trend mm-hmm. to the to, to the other side where i am starting to see it more but i it was a really interesting journey for me to realize like i have no idea how to do this or mm-hmm. what to do and i didn't expect every i didn't i mean you know that everybody's boobs are different mm-hmm. But I thought they'd all work kind of the same way. (laughs) And the first and only compliment I've ever gotten on my breasts was from the nurse in the maternity ward when she's like, you've got great nipples. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you said, why, thank you. <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about. I was like, yeah, well, I guess that nipping yeah. easily works in my favor for once. <laughs> um, but that's – but yeah, that everyone – it's so different. And so it's like when moms compare their experiences and they're like, well, why is it so easy for her and it's not easy for me? But, you know – they look totally different. You know, your baby's mouths are totally different. And then what comes out is totally different. Well, and also mm-hmm. I think I, – I mean, I always thought it was like, oh, the baby just opens their mouth and puts it on the nipple and just sucks like you'd be sucking out of a straw. Well, there's a whole thing called a latch and there's all these di- different things. And I'm sure this is a really hard question to answer, but mm-hmm. is there a most common mm-hmm. problem that, that women come to you with or is it just all across the board? There are, I'd say there are probably three that I see the most commonly. Okay. And we see pretty much newborns, although we see babies through two years or whatever moms may be coming to us for. But I'd say 80% of my clients are under a month of age. Yeah. So the three biggest things I see are certainly really sore nipples um, with or without engorgement, no latch, and the baby who's not thriving. Yeah. Right. Not getting enough weight. Those are my three big categories. Here's a question about the thriving. Yeah. Do you suggest that parents wake their newborn to feed? Mm-hmm. Well, in general, because we have no idea. When you're launched from that hospital, and often these babies are 36 to 48 hours old, nobody really knows what's going to happen down the road. So kind of the insurance policy that people will use and suggest to you is that babies are fed at least eight times in the first for 24 hours until they've regained their birth weight. And in my opinion, once they pass their birth weight, leave them alone. Um, and some babies oh, will. that's interesting. Will oh, I could have saved on a lot of sleep if I knew that. Yeah, you, should, you should have come to me. I should have. Yeah. Well, Sabrina, Sabrina, she gained it back. <laughs> this is like an ongoing joke. My yeah. poor daughter. She, uh, yeah, good feeder. Clearly, those babies are, they're thriving. They're doing well. Leave them alone. They're going to tell you when they're hungry. But what about our own milk supply if we leave them alone for eight hours well, or six hours? nature usually takes care of it. They, really? It okay. works it out. You know, that it's supposed to, right? You're yeah. supposed to produce what your baby demands. And it's amazing how often that can happen if we just leave it alone. But we want to interfere constantly. We want to interfere. But like I just came from my office and I, and I had three very jaundiced babies in a row that won't wake up. And they have got to be awoke because they're just going to get more and more jaundiced. So, right. Yeah. So those kids, we do say, please feed them, feed them. And then once, you know, I think birth weight, psh, do you think? And do you think with the feeding them, you know, because I feel like a lot of parents win the babies aren't gaining weight, mm-hmm. you know, they're encouraged to supplement with formula mm-hmm. or other things, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. like a, there's a lot of pressure to do that. And what do you say to the mothers when they come to you and say, look, my kids, my baby's not gaining weight and I'm concerned about it. Should I introduce formula also? Well, first of all, the ultimate decision is with the pediatrician. I am not a physician and I would never presume to be. So if that physician has given direct orders that that baby's to be supplemented, that's what we're going to do. If the pediatrician is open, the first thing we'll try and do is get mom pumping and see if she can supplement with her own milk. And if that works, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Babies have to gain weight. They have to. So formula, although it may not be the parent's choice, it's certainly not poison. Children grow on formula, thank goodness. So um, I and, did, <laughs> and hopefully, well, may you're not alone. And hopefully, um, the mother's milk supply will come up to a point yeah. where we can, you know, it's, it's a temporary thing. Um, I do have parents who are looking for donor milk, which is another whole 
topic we could talk yeah. about on another whole podcast. Um, so that's sometimes an option, other times not. But um, do I use formula in my practice? Absolutely. You do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Babies have I, to eat. They have to gain weight. I waited until Sabrina was nine months old to introduce formula uh-huh. for the first time. And it was because uh, I wanted to use that to sort of help with my weaning process. Sure, sure. And it felt like kind of a crazy gateway ju- drug. <laughs> like I didn't realize how easy it was to, <laughs> to add water to some powder. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad for my first child that I waited until I did just because – I mean because she was healthy and we had a good experience. But also because otherwise, you know, I was like, oh, wow. This is simple. This is simple, right. way more simple mm-hmm. than uh, <laughs> what I've been up to. <laughs> True. But then you have to weigh what you know what you're giving them, yes. and understand that formula. Although it's food, it's absolutely food. There's no protection in formula. Yeah. And at Sabrina all. did not. She got sick once in nine months, uh-huh. and then did she get sick? Now she's got a runny nose all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's she, pretty much what I see. Once you wean, they start, yeah. Because yeah, we to get were. Sick. Adam so, and I were oh sick. My gosh. Adam and I were sick yeah. constantly. Yeah. I got a staph infection in my nose. I got mm-hmm. pink eye. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like weird stuff because we were so run down. She didn't get sick once. It's mm-hmm. so funny that you say that because I realize now that Magnolia had her first really bad cold, and it was right when I made the biggest cut back mm-hmm. from from our daily feeds. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about sore nipples. Oh well, because uh, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fresh <laughs> right now um, because I think. You know, this is something when I first started breastfeeding, uh, my midwife said, it is not supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. If it hurts, something is not right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who have come to me and said, like, well, it does. So, and I remember that for me, it started to hurt around two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I had my doctor appointment around that time. And I saw the lactation consultant at my doctor's office. And she said, let me watch you breastfeed her. And um, I fed her and she said, oh, her latch is all off. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize on one side she was she was latching Mm -hmm. on and fine. On the other side, she was kind of off at an angle just enough that it was Mm -hmm. pulling my nipple in a different direction. And they showed me how to do and, Mm -hmm. you know, for the next couple of days, I just had to be very careful on that side to get her on correctly. But within like three days, the swelling and the pain went down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, about for women who think that breastfeeding has to hurt and that it has Mm -hmm. to be painful mm-hmm. what can they do when mm-hmm. it, when it starts to hurt mm-hmm. well hopefully they'll be able to get help hospitals are trying really hard to provide help in the hospital it's expensive they don't have a lot of it and the poor women who do it are really overworked but they try right sadly the hospital nurses all should know and they don't because they're the first one at your bedside right they're the ones that really should help you do this and as you know now it's not hard it's learned but right. there's a process mm-hmm. to it so latch is certainly a, a big part of um soreness, but there's a lot of other things involved as well. Babies, you know, because of their oral anatomy can cause a lot of problems. So a lot of kids have what we call tongue, they're tongue tied or they're lip tied, or they have a high palate, or they have something called torticollis where they tip to one side. My daughter had torticollis. Some kids are really tight, just they've had long, long labors and a lot of pitocin Mm -hmm. and things like that. And they just come out with these jaws of steel, it feels like, and that takes time and it evolves, but it's, it's initially it's, it can be pretty painful. I do agree with your midwife, but it seems like sore nipples are so common. Yeah. Um, you know, my hunch is that probably 90% of women experience some discomfort, but usually by day five, it's on its way out. The persistent pain is the one that you need to work on because that there's that shouldn't be happening. Right. 
It should. Yeah, because I I had one. I had that at two weeks, and then at mm-hmm. about six weeks, I developed. It was so weird. It, at first, I thought I had a little spot of milk on uh-huh. my nipple. Oh, you had a bleb. Yeah, yeah. That was. Doesn't that hurt? One of the most painful yeah. things. What is it? That hurt. So it's yeah. it looks it literally looks like it's so white. It just looks like you think, oh, there's a little milk coming out, but you go to squeeze it and nothing oh. comes. It does. It's essentially the skin. What are the skin grows over the? Yeah, but it's probably old skin cells and old milk that have just sat in that nipple pore and it forms it's almost like wax. Ouch. And yeah, exactly. It's like a yeah. cyst. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if I did the right thing because I went online uh-huh. <laughs> research like everyone mm-hmm. and they said if you could get a sterile needle or something it, and it. scrape it off and then basically whatever was kind of stuck in there then she worked the rest of it out mm-hmm. and then it and then it went away it did come back again yeah it's, it's common <laughs> yeah but I was I was really worried because of course the biggest thing you hear about is the mastitis mastitis yeah and so anytime there was something that seemed like it felt clogged or what I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I don't want this to happen. But what I think is really interesting, and I'd love to hear your take on this too, is how much our breasts change over the course of breastfeeding, mm-hmm. that sometimes they'll feel lumpier in areas and sometimes mm-hmm. they get a little more full or sometimes they're not as full. So mm-hmm. it's it's tricky because you think, well, this wasn't like this two weeks ago, but sometimes that's just the normal course of it, correct? Can I just backtrack one second? Yeah. I just thought if, but I'm intrigued that, was it one side that you had all the trouble once? Yes. And you you said your daughter had a torticollis. Yes. It all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's because because she Probably. was it was her, that was that side yeah. of her yeah. of her head where her yeah. head was. Oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I probably created all those issues for you. But to go back to your issue with mastitis, yeah. um, mastitis is caused two different ways. One is certainly uh, the most common is a plug duct where something and that something can be a whole bunch of different variables that cause the milk to back up. Yeah. Or it also can be caused if the nipples are really broken. You know, whenever you break skin. Anywhere you're susceptible to infection. So it can go in that way as well. Right. And those moms are usually much sicker. And so, that, that manifests itself with fever. Yes. Generally, women start out, they feel like they, they have the flu. And they'll call their, their doctor whatever, and say, oh, I'm getting the flu. And they, they just ache all over. They have a headache. They feel lousy. Then they'll start to get the chills and they'll spike fever. And you get really sick with mastitis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and how do you nurse your children while you have it? Yeah, you need to. Yeah, because otherwise it'll yeah. keep getting worse. So but hopefully then- you have health and somebody can take care of you and just bring you the baby and let you feed and take Aww. the baby. Um, so a plug duct, usually what mothers notice first is that they, you know, lumps lumps and bumps and stuff are so common, but they, they come and go. Mm-hmm. But when you have a plug duct, you nurse the baby or you pump and it's still there. Right. And it's really firm and then it keeps getting harder and more tender and it might start to turn red. And those are the ones that we want to, you know, you need to get going. So if you, lumps and bumps that come and go... They're probably just, you know, milk's filling, milk's emptying. Right. Yeah. It's not really an issue. Here's the thing I hear a lot from mothers Uh is that, you know, my baby's allergic to my milk Mm -hmm. or my mother said that about me, that Mm -hmm. I was allergic to her milk. So can Mm -hmm. we talk about that for a little bit? Sure. There's so much we don't know about food allergies. It's really something that, and it changes all the time. Just they recommend one thing and then they recommend another thing. Can a baby be allergic to its mother's milk? Technically, it's what's in the mother's milk that the baby's reacting to. Until you're age two or three, it's impossible to be genetically, to, uh, to be um, lactose intolerant. Uh, that's something you're genetically prone to, but you aren't born lactose intolerant. You can become lactose intolerant. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So, but there are kids who are allergic to cow's milk protein and cow's milk protein crosses. It has to be in mother's blood to be in her milk. 
and the protein will cross. And probably a little less than 10% of kids really are have a sensitivity or outright allergy to milk. And typically these kids will have blood in their stool if they're, they're really allergic. Mm -hmm. And those moms, if they eliminate dairy from their diet, the babies tend to do well. Um, probably 60% of babies who are really are, are allergic to milk will be allergic to soy as well. And that's really hard on the mom because soy is in everything. And it's really hard everything. to eliminate dairy and soy out of your diet. And would that include soy lecithin or whatever that's it would. in yeah. all it that? Would. Yeah. It's literally in everything. It's, it is. So it's a tough diet to follow. Much less likely, but possibilities are fish, shellfish, tree nuts, and eggs. Okay. I had with Sabrina, uh -huh. she was getting green poop. Yeah. And really gassy. Right. And I was so lucky because I went to one of the group consults with your co-founding partner With Corky Corky yeah. and I said you know she's got green poop and she's gassy mm -hmm. and Corky's like well you might have overactive supply mm -hmm. and she was right mm -hmm. and what's crazy to me is that my pediatrician was like oh it's no big deal if she's got green poop oh mm -hmm. they're all gassy the doctor was not the one to supply the answer the pump station was wow and and every other – so then, of course, I get on my soapbox about it because I'm so excited that I've solved this huge problem mm -hmm. and no one else had heard of it. They all thought I was a little nutty. And it's funny that it's not common knowledge that you can have – so I had too much milk supply, which means, you know, it's a good thing for pumping and for saving and mm -hmm. yeah, no complaints. But it, there are two parts of milk, right? Mm -hmm. The foremilk and the hind milk. There are. There's so much stuff on the internet about this, and I always feel bad for poor four milk because four milk is really good. It's but good it's, stuff. It just it's doesn't like have, sugary. But it all is. There's right. just the only difference between four and hind milk is fat. There's okay. just as much sugar in hind milk as there is in four milk. Four milk doesn't can, have fat. Can you explain what those two are for somebody who just has no idea? Absolutely. So the breast is really smart. What drives babies to breast primarily is not hunger; it's thirst. And the breast knows this. So what the breast does is it stores up, if you will, at the front of the breast, this low-cal, more watery-looking milk that's still excellent. It just doesn't have the calories. It has about 14 calories per ounce. And if your baby's really hungry, they'll keep pulling and pulling. And the longer and the harder they pull, the more fat your breast produces at that time and releases to the baby. So formula can have 14 calories an ounce, and hind milk can have 44 calories because it just has way more fat, but that's the only difference. Everything else is the same, exactly the same. So moms who tend to make a tremendous milk supply tend to have a oversupply and overabundance of this lower calorie, watery type milk. And so these babies come on breast and they get so much of that first that they're just full feeling, um, but it doesn't satisfy them because it doesn't have as much fat. So these kids tend to overeat. They tend to eat more often. They always appear to be hungry. Meanwhile, they're gaining a lot of weight. And the moms are really puzzled and perplexed over this because they feel like they, they don't have enough milk when, in fact, they have too much. And that's what I think my mother yeah. thinking that I was allergic to her milk. Uh -huh. I think that she had the same situation as me. She very well may have. And that she just had a lot of four milk. Yeah. And so I right. wasn't getting to the... The satiating. Yeah, the yeah, satiating fatness. And so what I ended up doing was the block schedule mm -hmm. feeding mm -hmm. where I would switch boobs, I think, every four hours. Each mom remember. does a little differently. Yes, yeah, some do it as much as six, depends. 
two, anywhere from two to six hours, yeah. And so that way you sort of drain out one side yeah, exactly. and then go to the other. Exactly. And that does two things. Initially, your baby would hopefully get more of that fatty milk. And then with time, it tends to calm you down because if you're leaving one breast alone, the overfullness is what's the feedback mechanism to produce less milk. And then a number of moms, if they block feed for a period of time, then they go back to both sides. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Okay, I have a very important question that okay. I know many of our listeners are wondering about because I do. Uh-huh. When you drink alcoholic beverages, yes, ma'am. The and good well, old, you should the good old <laughs> pump and dump. Yeah, what I never know, like when mm-hmm. I should be concerned, or right. you know. So, right. what's the deal on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I get this asked all the time, and people say, "Can I drink?" And I said, "Yes, and you deserve it." <laughs> Because you do. So just know how to do it wisely. Yes. Um, alcohol is one of those drugs that goes de- definitely goes into your breast milk, but it goes right back out. So it doesn't just go in the milk and sit there. It's oh. going back and forth. So essentially your blood alcohol level is your milk alcohol level. As your liver breaks down the alcohol in your blood, it's re- reducing the alcohol in your milk. Conservatively speaking, one serving of alcohol, whatever your choice, would be in your blood and your milk for about three to four hours. So if you have a baby that, let's say, predictably sleeps from 7 to 11 p.m., that would be a great time to have a glass of wine. So you drink literally at the end of your breastfeeding. Just don't do it in public because you're like, oh, my God. And then your baby wakes up in three and a half, four hours, and the the alcohol's gone. But let's say it's your birthday or your anniversary or whatever. (laughs) Let's say you're in Vegas. You're going to party, right? Right. You want to do this. So hopefully you'll be able to pump ahead and leave X amount of bottles for your baby to eat. You go off to your vent, you start drinking, and around four hours, um, your breasts are getting really full, but we know there's alcohol there. So you pump to relieve your breasts. But here's what everyone doesn't understand. Pumping the breast does not remove the alcohol. All it does is re- relieve your breasts. Mm-hmm. Because alcohol is in your blood, it goes right back into your milk. Oh, wow. So until the alcohol is out of your body, it's in your milk. Okay. And, and so what about if, like, for example, I went on a trip yeah, and I um, went out with the girls and I like to drink whiskey. Yeah. So I had some Ooh. whiskey and I pumped yeah, and I came home with bottles that went into the freezer. So what happens to the milk that has, like, does that alcohol, is that active in there forever? I assume so. Yeah. That's a really good question, but I, I don't well, know it's it still. Would- <laughs> yeah. Think about the frozen margarita mix. You know, That's like there's true. still there's point. vodka in the freezer. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> but you know, maybe just wait a f- you know the three or four months, and then she'll be heavier then, and it won't affect her as much. <laughs> well, that, that, that part is true. And then yeah. the really good question: all this is what does alcohol do to babies? Because in Europe, they don't stop drinking. Yeah, they drink right through their pregnancy. Really? Uh, yeah. Right through their breastfeeding, they're drinking. So it's an interesting question. How about coffee and chocolate? Okay, caffeine's a totally different animal. Okay, caffeine goes into your milk and it stays there. Um, It has a long half-life of 70 hours. So um, caffeine makes babies jittery like it does you and I. So I never have to talk mothers out of it, right, because you don't want that for your babies. So the the current thinking is start out with one serving of caffeine a day, whatever your choice. And if your baby's fine, add, add caffeine. Some kids are much more tolerant than others. The younger the baby, the smaller the baby, the less their tolerance. Chocolate, if I had to give up chocolate, I wouldn't have breastfed. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. So, um, you know, it, it has some caffeine. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, have kind of 
talking, you know, I'm not talking about eating a pound, but God, wouldn't you love to? Um, And how about uh, block scheduling versus on-demand feeding? You have to look at the mom and the baby. You can't make sweeping suggestions. And I think this is one of the things that new mothers are so frustrated about with breastfeeding because everyone's an expert and people preach what they know. So for you, it worked really because you had a specific issue with the overactive letdown mm-hmm. and, a, and a large supply that block feeds and schedule feedings was perfect. Yeah. But for another mother, that could be a disaster. Yeah, because Bianca does on demand or did, right? Yeah, I did. I did it for mm-hmm. a long time. And, yeah. and I really I really enjoyed doing on demand feeding. Mm-hmm. I felt like mm-hmm. I just kind of took by her mm-hmm. cues and I'm not a scheduled person in mm-hmm. my life. So it worked for me. <laughs> Um, and she was always a good weight, and so yeah. everyone was happy, and it was great. But I know people who that wasn't good for, and exactly. they didn't like it. You know, I have a friend who at four months was like, I'm done breastfeeding, period. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, I've always – that was actually a good lesson for me because um, – you know, you realize like you have to do – obviously you want to do what's best for your baby. But if you're miserable and depressed, mm-hmm. then you're not being a good parent for your mm-hmm. baby either. So it's – you got to kind of weigh your options with with what works for you. Yeah. I really liked being able to leave for like three or four hours mm-hmm. at a time after – I don't remember when I started doing it. But I remember this like huge sense of relief that I could – leave Sabrina for a few hours and not worry about it. Yeah, that that was hard later on. I started to feel like because I didn't really know when she was feeding, it would be it was hard. I always felt like, oh, I have to get back. I have to get back. So and now Bianca's potentially starting the process of weaning. Yeah, I am I'm starting the process of weaning and Mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting Mm -hmm. because I always thought it would be this really like I first when I got pregnant, I was like, oh I'm gonna breastfeed for a year. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it a year and then I'm gonna be done. Well a year I did. A year (laughs) and I was done. But I, you know what? I love it and she loves it. And so I'm slowly weaning, um, but it's been over a year. And um, I thought it would be much more clear about how to do it, when to do it. And it's not. And so it's not. Yeah. Well, there's two issues. The actual process of reducing your milk supply is simple. You just reduce feeds. Right. That's simple to tell a mother. Yeah. What's very difficult to work out, especially if the baby doesn't want to wean. That's yeah. a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And then depending on the age of the child, then you start getting into limit setting and things like that. So that was one thing. Yeah. I remember I did a mommy and me group at the pump station and it was about pacifiers mm-hmm. and like, you know, the idea of if your baby loses interest in the pacifier to let it, let it go, let it disappear during that window. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I really lucked out with weaning I didn't look out in the depression I got from it, but I lucked out in that it was a window of opportunity when Sabrina wasn't as uh, obsessed because mm-hmm. now she's super into my boobs. Like mm-hmm. nothing comes out of them, but she's always going boo, 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 boo. Mm-hmm. You know, she also thinks it's a trash receptacle. Like she keeps putting trash down my shirt. <laughs> anyway. Don't all men too though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, a little dirty. Is there a good resource for people who aren't in Los Angeles um, online or a book or something that you recommend for w- women that are wanting to wean that are? You know, I think the people that know the most about weaning is good old La Leche League. Yeah. I think that they're really helpful and they're also very helpful for moms who have been are, um, breastfeeding toddlers and are, you know, into that whole area. Um, they have lots of helpful information um, and they... A lot of them have done long-term breastfeeding, so they can help you with those kinds of limit setting and things. 
Well, shoot, Wendy. I feel like I we know. need a whole nother episode. I mean, it just well, wasn't. Have it. <laughs> we will. We will get it because we also need to have Corky on with uh, you. Yes, oh, absolutely. And with speaking of Corky, yes. can we talk for a moment about the pump station? You may. And its origin story, mm-hmm. and what you all do. Yeah, I don't know how much you want to know, but um, we'll do the three-minute version. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Corky and I met. Oh my God, 37 years ago, longer than most marriages in LA, right? Yes. Um, and not Where as lactation consultants because there was no such thing. Uh, we met as Lamaze teachers and we both um, had an interest in breastfeeding. And a lot of our moms would have, you know, they'd take our Lamaze class, they'd have their baby and they'd call us up for help. And we were like, oh, I don't know, let's try. And just at that same time, there was this whole beginning of bringing back breastfeeding to the United States, thanks to the Surgeon General at the time was Dr. Everett Coop, who was a pediatrician and a huge believer in breastfeeding. And he's the one that mandated that every hospital in the country that had uh, maternity services had to have a lactation consultant. Everybody went, great, what's that? So places like UCLA uh, offered a course to nurses to learn how to help moms with breastfeeding issues. And so Corky and I took that course many, many years ago. We literally rented pumps out of our kitchen. That's where we started. And our husbands kicked us out. This is crazy. This is a business lady. So we opened up a little tiny 200 square foot office in West LA. We were renting 50 breast pumps. And in uh, three years, we were renting a thousand breast pumps. And the moms just kept asking for more, for service, for classes, for product, for this, for that. And we just kept expanding. What we've all we wanted, we've always wanted was a community for moms because in LA there's so many moms here that have no extended family and they're scared and they're alone and they have no support. And I think that's the best thing we've done is create a community. And I mean I just I can't tell you what smiles it brings to my face when I meet women and say, Thirty years ago you helped me and I still see the moms yes. in my group. I'm still close to the moms so in my awesome. group. And I just I love that. That just makes me smile. Um it's really a lovely thing to see. So I think that's where we, we um have done our our most our biggest success in that area. Um so every day we see moms and babies, they come in with with issues, we obviously teach, we run groups. One of our newest Ventures we're so excited about is we have finally uh, put on um, tape a baby care class and through uh, kidsinthehouse.com as well. And we have over 40 babies in this video. It is adorable. And it's so, I think it's fabulous. I'm really proud of it. Oh, awesome. and when will it be available? Coming soon. Very Coming soon. soon. I yeah. saw Ricky Lake did a little blurb yeah. for you all. Yeah. It's, well, it's really You'll good. have to let us know and we'll make sure to let our listeners know yeah. when, when they can get a hold of that. Yeah. I actually utilized the pump station in a huge way uh, a couple months ago because I was at work and oh. uh, in Burbank in the valley and I forgot my pump. Uh-oh. And we were filming and I was like, oh my God, yeah. I'm going to burst. My husband was coming. I was like, stop at the pump station. They'll yeah. tell you what you need. Yep. And it's, by the Fountain way. Fountain and Vine. Yeah. <laughs> That's my home away yeah. from home. I go to the yeah. one in Santa Monica, but he was coming over the hill. So we yeah. stopped at that one. They hooked him up with a bunch of equipment. Saved the day. It's <laughs> great. I had my pump got lost on a flight coming oh. back from New York. Oh. And so I rented one of the like the Mercedes Benz version, right? Like this, it's like a thirty pound. How big oh, are these you machines? The I rented a Ferrari. Oh yeah, because <laughs> the the newer ones are six or seven pounds. But the okay. ones that Corky and I started out renting, we still have them. Weigh twenty two pounds. Oh wow. wow. Well, this one was probably like twelve pounds, but it was a big thing, and I didn't give it up. I think yeah. it was three dollars a day or something. It's it, awesome. It was like a smooth yeah. ride. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful pump. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so You're much so for coming. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, and listeners, we'll be right back. guys we're back wasn't that so much fun that was awesome and i i honestly there's i feel like there's so much more i could ask her and we have a million more questions i know and i'm sure you guys do too and we're gonna have them on again for sure and when we um do we'll let everyone know and you guys will have to ask questions on our facebook page yeah tweet us and her partner corky is such a hoot like it'll be fantastic i can't Um, wait okay mom Uh, session my mom's session is the pump station and i'm gonna read their mission statement it's uh to nurture support and empower all new parents with compassion its service, quality information, and outstanding products. We serve as a breastfeeding resource center that educates, guides, and encourages parents as they learn to care for their baby. We also provide a caring and warm environment where new parents can bond with each other and their babies as they share their experiences. And you might recall our episode with Teresa Palmer way back. That's how I met her. These moms just end up like after the mommy and me group, you like end up hanging out. Like no one wants to leave. Like no one wants to go back to their home by themselves. Everyone wants to just keep hanging out with their babies and their new friends. And and it's the sense of community that they've been able to foster is so awesome. Yeah. Because the best thing ever was taking Sabrina for the first time and I was so tired and to see the moms – all these other moms were just as tired and their hair was just as greasy and it was so comforting. <laughs> it is nice, isn't it? When you feel that sense of mom camaraderie. My mom bomb, I, I found this actually in an old email and I love it so much. And I feel like it's just, uh, it really sits at the root of of you and I doing this podcast. And it, it's, uh, I don't even know where it's from, but when we see other people doing things we do not approve of, instead of judging them, Let's simply see their fearful behavior as a request for love, and we answer their request and send them love. And I just think that's such a – if you could just – anytime someone drives you crazy or, you know, you feel judgment because you see somebody parenting a different way that you don't agree with or uh, you feel threatened because you're parenting in a different way, it's just – we all just want love. You guys, remember – Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. And rock on, Atomic Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer just go to youtube.com slash wait for it comedy there's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and i love you A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.